What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nitha. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We are just a couple of artsy bitches learning about what makes art good and bad and nuanced and how to talk about it. Today we're learning about nuance. Nitha, what are you snacking on this week? (laughs) (sighs) My first snack of this year. Oh, oh yeah, God. I guess it's the new year now. I'm snacking on, um, okay, so, so I've been, like, pretty active on, on Twitter lately. I need to stop. I think if I'm ever, like, too active on Twitter, that's how you know I'm, like, really going through it. <laughs> but I, this person, I follow a lot of, like, Indian people on Twitter. It's, like, where I get a lot of, like, interesting hot takes about, like, being Daisy. And this person was, like, the Om symbol is problematic because it has ties to Vedic Hinduism. And I was like, oh shit, like, I guess you're right. And then I was like, but I have an Om tattoo because she was talking about how she was like glad she never got an Om tattoo. And I was like, lol, fuck, like, I have one, but it was more of like a cultural reclamation thing than like a religious thing. And like, how do I reckon with that? I guess, because I feel like, I don't know, I see like white girls get ohm tattoos and I'm like, well, fuck you. Like, this is my thing. So my snack is this book called The Annihilation of Caste, which I'm reading right now and I will put in the show notes. And I think that like, these two things can live together, like me being proud of being Indian, but then also understanding that like being Indian and being Hindu specifically has a lot of ties to nationalism and a lot of the problems that India is facing currently. That being said, though, I have this tattoo and I still love it. Like it's not gonna change anything. And me having this symbol on my back is not a representation of that. It's a representation of like me liking myself. That's my snack. I hope that made sense. No, that was very sexy. There's just, like, a difference between, like, the context of, like, Hinduism in the U.S. versus Hinduism in India. And Mm -hmm. it's just an important distinction because, like, the context of Hinduism being, like, nationalist is definitely specific to India because Mm -hmm. in the U.S., non-Christian religions are... (laughs) are not nationalist. <laughs> no, for sure. And 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 this is normal cuz this happens in every minority group, but like then all of the divisions be- in within the minority group and then having those conversations before we then bring it to like talking about ourselves as one umbrella thing. It's stressful. It's like stuff I need to be thinking about, but it is just like a lot on top of just operating how we do normally. Anyway, Gaia, what is your snack? Yeah. All right. So today before we recorded, I um, watched a video essay about Glee and then (laughs) I went in a rabbit hole about the deaths of Corey Monteith and Naya Rivera. And so today I'm snacking on the inevitability of death. Gaia! seriously i've i was existentially spiraling right before this like i am like i am like in a haze (laughs) but i actually oh my god so like so like on religious themes um some of you may know that i'm moving to a nunnery in indiana in like a little over a week like a week and a half not because i have any religious ties there but because they have a farm with alpacas on it and i want to learn how to make alpaca wool sweaters that's my entire mission. Get thee to a nunnery in Indiana. Tea. That's our merch. So I'm I'm quite excited to vibe with the nuns, but I got an email from the nuns with like the internship handbook, and at the bottom of the handbook was like a little prayer that they sent me, and I've been sharing it with everyone I know because it was so like articulate. It felt like the kind of messaging we need going into 2021. I love it. So like substitute the word God with whatever spiritual entity that feels most true to you. And here it is. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom, and peace among all people. 
May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you really can make a difference in this world, so that you are able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. I love it. I just thought it was so sweet. That is so sweet and lovely. Get thee to a nunnery so you can vibe with nuns. Like, vibe with the nuns. Um, I'm excited. Like, one of the things we talked about in my interview with the nuns was, like, how they live near um, a death penalty facility in Indiana, and they go protest death penalty cases <gasps> when they're happening. So, oh, my God. Hoping to protest with some nuns soon. Also, the stuff about, like, injustice in the prayer, I was like, these nuns said ACAB. I don't actually know how radical they are, but I know they protest death penalty cases, and I was really inspired. My mom and I were talking about the food industry um, and how hard it is to, like, engage with it because it's so Mm -hmm. much. And my mom was like, it's hard for you because you're so young. You haven't become jaded by injustice yet. And right after that, I got this email and I read the line about having enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow. Also, while we were talking, I pulled a tarot card (gasps) for the year. Oh, my. I wanted like the the what you were saying to like happen as I was shuffling. So I pulled the star. (gasps) That's a good one. Which is so scary because... People were pulling the tower for last year, and the star is, like, the rebirth. Like, the tower is everything coming down, and, like, often one is followed by the other. So, like, the fact that, like, the star popped up is really spooky. And that's amazing, because this is just, like, a phase of hope and trust and faith. We're moving into 2021 with high hopes and low expectations. Exactly. I think that's... Kind of, like, perfect. Because I'm not going to be like, oh, 2021 is here, that means everything bad is over. That's so not true. But I do think that, like, this is, like, a good little hit, like, hit the reset button, but we're, like, we're working towards a lot this year. God, this but has been such a wholesome so snack time. I feel, what a good snack! Also, I'm I feel so, so happy cleansed. about that card. I know. I just feel very at peace after that. I feel like this is going to be actually, like, a very peaceful rejuvenating episode (laughs) speaking of things that make you feel good Gaia do you want to do the roadmap oh boy that does make me feel good the roadmap for me is like meditation for people (laughs) who are able to meditate all right uh if you're new to bitch why happy new year um and welcome this episode and all episodes are made up of four parts Bitch what, an introduction to what we're talking about. Bitch how, a technical rundown of how it succeeds and fails as a piece of art, kind of on its own. Bitch time, three minutes of our unintelligent... And finally, bitch why, a sum up of the implications and why all of this matters. And the bitch meter, which is our little diversity score meter that we learned in math, just for you guys. Yeah. And, like, I'm so bad at math, so the fact that I'm doing it for you all is says a lot. Yeah. It's it's a sign of the benevolence. Amazing. Speaking of math, uh- <laughs> this week we're talking about Queen's Gambit. Chess and math have... Do they have anything to do with each other? Probability and, like, statistics? Okay. Cool. They do have things to do with each other. I'm not going to lie, I am, like, one of the audience members that didn't get any of the fun chess references. I am not one of the, like, cool audience members that got to really bask in all the chessiness of it all, although I wish I could. I know. Normally when I watch a show like this or something, I'm like, that makes me want to do the thing. Like, Glow made me want to do wrestling, but this didn't really make me feel like I needed to do it now, mostly because I'm not that smart. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I've always wished that I was smart enough to be good at chess, but I'm not. And that's okay. I have I have like places where I'm super smart, but it's just not chess. How did you come across it? We have we've been forgetting to talk about this. Everyone was talking about this fucking show while I was in the middle of like doing my short film, so I was like, okay, I need to put this in the back burner. I will watch it. I don't know why I thought it was British. It sounds like The Crown and Bridgerton. I was like, this is British propaganda, so I don't want to watch it. <laughs> but it 
turns out the second I started it and they're in like fucking Kentucky, I was like, oh, just kidding. It's not British. Why did I think it was British? I think just the name, the Queen's Gambit. I know it's a chess thing, but for some reason, the show gave me very like British, like Downton Abbey crown vibes. And I was like, fuck this. I don't want to watch this. Every time a show has the like word queen in the title, I like have to like take off a, take out a cross and like ward it off like a demon. I'm like, not this, not this. um, Not this. Colonization of the mind that is happening. But then Gaia, you're like, I really think we should talk about it. And so many people mentioned the show to me and I was like, I know it. I will watch it. I will. I know that it's so white, which is why I was like resisting watching it. And that's, that's all. How did you come across this show, Gaia? I think it's a funny story because you and I had just had a very long conversation about my love life. (laughs) <laughs> love life my my love life uh, <laughs> how do i make it sound but sean and i sean is sean christopher mallon my father um we wanted to watch something together afterwards but it was kind of late so we were like oh let's just watch an episode of a thing so we don't watch a movie mm. and then we ended up watching two episodes so we watched two hours of something which is longer than a movie and it was delightful i finished it in like two days i was in it the whole time very exciting. I, I literally watched this in seven hours. I woke up at, at 2 a.m. and I watched the whole thing. Tea. So I'm fresh. I'm fresh off this show. I love that for you. It's it's like the first show in a while that I feel like I like watched and really, really was into it like the whole time. Mm-hmm. A lot of shows I watch out of loyalty or, like, out of, like, oh, I know there's going to be a gay character in season four, so I have to watch the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Or, uh, like, there's a moment I saw on Twitter, like, a screenshot of it, and I, like, want to get to it, but I want to have all of the context, so I watch the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. But this one I just, like, watched, and it was just good, and so I kept watching it. It's nice to watch something that was just nice. All right, now it's time to get into Bitch What? Okay, so the story follows Beth, a newly orphaned nine-year-old girl who uh, gets sent to an orphanage. There she befriends the custodian and he teaches her how to play chess and she is like very intensely into it and I think it's also like just a coping mechanism and there's all this stuff about her mom like dealing with some form of psychosis or something which is why like how she ends up where she is and then we follow her as she like moves up in the ranks and like ultimately I guess spoiler alert spoilers becomes the champion of the world in chess and it's like really sexy maybe too sexy for chess i don't know we'll talk about it it makes chess like hot yeah it makes chess like really fucking hot it's also a lot about her struggle with addiction yeah and like through that you kind of like see her struggle with addiction and like interpersonal relationships because of that mostly with men men with Mostly bleep it. Um, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> that was fun. Let's get into it. It's time for Bitch How. How? On the thing you said about, like, wishing you knew more about chessiness and, like, playing into the chessiness of it all, I will say that, you know the scene in Crazy Rich Asians where she's talking about, like, game theory or something? Yeah. And then at the end they're playing... Mahjong, I think. Yeah. And you know how it's kind of played by, like, the cues that they gave you at the beginning of the film. And so you're like, I don't understand how the game is played, but I know the stakes and I know what she's thinking. I feel like this show had, did did an even better job of making chess feel really accessible. And that's, like, in the sound cues, it's in, like, the buildup of the score, and then also, like, the acting is so good that you, like, I know when she's winning and I know when she's losing. Yeah. And that's all I need to know. Anya. Anya Taylor-Joy. First of all, I do want her to rail me ASAP. Oh, she is allowed to be naked. She's allowed to be naked. She's encouraged to be naked. She pegs. She pegs extensively. 
Every man she slept with in the show was pegged. Oh, yes. Except for that one guy with the penis candle. Um, <laughs> and, and But the, the reason we know everyone else was pegged is because she hated that so much. And then chooses to have sex after that. When they're in bed and he's like, so should I go to my room? And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, do whatever you want. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, damn, I just got pegged. <laughs> But she's got such an expressive face. And also, her physical life was quite exciting. There are some moments in her walk. Her walk. It, it feels very um, Olivia Pope in Scandal sometimes. The power walk that she'll do when she's really confident. Beth will do that kind of thing. But she, she like, moves back and forth between, like, a confident walk and then, like, I don't know what's happening. And then a confident thing. And then it's, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, it's, like, so, it's so alive and, like, so exciting to watch. Anya Taylor-Joy plays Beth from ages, age 14 to, like, 20-something. Like, 23, 24. There was, like, moments where I was, like, oh, like, you are, you are actually, like, trying to showcase, like, the character, like, aging. Like, she's got these, like, uh, this thing she does with her feet when she's younger, where Mm -hmm. she kind of, like, holds them at odd angles, and then as she gets older, she stops doing it, but, like, kind of has, like, echoes of it. But she'll still, but she'll do it towards the end where, like, she's still working through her addiction. I mean, she's always working through her addiction, but when, when it comes back the like little idiosyncrasies also come back yeah it's which exciting. is really interesting her eyes are huge yeah they're like most of her face i will say what like worked and didn't work for me is like sometimes she has born sexy yesterday face yeah and i know it's because she's like not new to chess but new to the world of chess when she enters it in high school but like even then like every time she looks up at a man she has like sexy baby eyes and i'm like yeah. what's going on like i don't like this there there was a couple of moments where you're like oh these men are turned on by her fuck that by her fuck me eyes yeah like like definitely and and I, I also back back on the walk there's this one scene there's a lot of long takes in this show a lot of like zooming in zooming out everything's really long but action is always happening while that is going on which i really really love there's never a static shot even if the shot is static it doesn't feel that way god the cinematography is gorgeous the set design is gorgeous production design like everything and i think maybe i'm like a little more primed to see it now after like making my film by like and ava and i we watched a couple movies together and the whole time we just couldn't shut up about like oh my god did you see that shot oh my god did you see that one and i know we were being like such annoying tish film bros about it but like it was exciting to like be in it and out of it at the same time and being like wow that's why that's really effective and i think also like you and i are just starved for good media yeah seriously <laughs> really starved for good cinematography and the cinematography is really really gorgeous it's quite sexy but there's one part where she's getting clothes with her mom the first time you know that she's like probably never walked on a busy street before and she's like doesn't know the flow of the street and then like like her mom like jaywalks she'll like walk fast and then run and then walk fast and then run like she just doesn't know how to do that and i was like wow what a fascinating the second like the scripts for this are released i want to read them to see like how much of that is like on the actor and how much of that is like on the screenwriter but like it was really just, like, those little things were, like, so exciting. And, like, Beth's journey is really exciting. Well, I will say I often find that, like, good acting is often, like, the hallmark of just, like, a really good director. Mm-hmm. And you can tell this show had a great director because everyone is delivering those, like, great acting moments. Like, she's clearly the star. Like, she's carrying the show. But, like, nobody in the show is, like, you're, like, damn, like, they suck at acting. Mm-mm, no. Like, like, everyone is incredible. Dudley. Dudley! <laughs> Harry in the show. In the show, it's Harry. Harry. The actor has a name as well. Um, I love that he's playing a character named Harry. Proud of him. (laughs) Um, Growth. (laughs) That's growth. Have you seen that picture of him and her? And it's like, he's got eyes that are so close together. And Anya Taylor-Joy's are so far apart. And people are like... (laughs) I haven't seen that, but I believe it. It's hard. It'd be really stressful to stand next to Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, I'd yeah. be stressed. I'd be a little bit like, oh, I am really in the presence of, like, 
an attractive person. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a couple of people who are just, like, beautiful in a way that's, like, so frightening. Like, Saoirse Ronan, mm. Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, yeah. Where it's, like, being near them, I would be, like, so, like in awe of them. I, like, don't know what I would do. In a way that kind of feels almost, like, otherworldly. I feel like Anya Taylor-Joy definitely has that. She, okay, there's an interesting, I was reading a review of the show, and someone said she has this kind of oddball brand of elegance. Here's where, here's where my problem with that is, and, and we'll pick it up later in, in Bitch Why, but, like, only, like, white actors get to be oddballs. I just was, like, annoyed by that. I was like, I don't know. When was the last time I heard about, like, a brown or black actor being called an oddball or being called quirky or interesting in that kind of way? The thing that I think that is really barred from with black and brown actors is elegance. Elegance, too, but I was, like, having a brand that is a little quirky and out of the... Like, quirky elegance. Yeah, a little different. Like, of course she gets to get that description and, like, not... And also, and also watching Bridgerton has a lot of people of color in a historical fiction sort of situation and everyone's bringing into, like, into conversation historical accuracy and everyone's like, why do you only care about historical accuracy when we put, like, people of color in period pieces? And it was kind of, like, interesting that this is also, like, a fictional period piece, but, like, they didn't do the same thing. Like, like these, any of these characters definitely could have been played by a person of color because the show takes place in so much of a bubble, which we will talk about later, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I just, and I, I think I just came into the show, like, ready to be mad at something because it just was so white, which is why I was hesitating watching it. Yeah, I actually yeah. wanted to talk about that because I, I was kind of conflicted on the show because, like, obviously I really liked it, but it was, it was, like... I don't know. Like, I don't even know if we need to make shows with this many white people in them anymore. Like, we don't. No, we don't. But something that I was kind of, like, curious about, and I wanted to, like, hear your take on it, is I think, like, one of the things they were vaguely trying to point out was the whiteness and the maleness of the chess world and being, like, look, like, this is a universe that is, like, totally inaccessible to people who are not, like, rich white men. And, and so, like, in mm. one sense, I was, like, that seems like something that the show is, like, aware of and, like, wants to critique. But then on the other hand, the Queen of Catway did the same thing, but with an African cast. I think, well, also, here's the reason, like, that's the reason why these shows keep getting made is because people are like, but we're talking about how white and how rich and how male it has to be. So, therefore, like, we're acknowledging the thing and, therefore, we don't have to cast. It's lampshading. It's lampshading. It's like, which, again, this show is so good that I kind of understand why people are excusing it. But the other problem is that it is so good. And if the good shows are just shows with white people white in them, people. then, like... Right. It, you know what it does is it kind of tricks you, and this is the thing of, like, just I've been watching a bunch of Bollywood movies lately, and, like... <laughs> Who tricked me into thinking, like, brown people couldn't act? Because these people are acting their asses off in these Bollywood movies. But, friend of the pod, Morgan, and I were talking about it, and she's like, yeah, this shit, like, tricks you into thinking only white people are talented, and only white people can act. And, like, that is so not true, and our cultures are so rooted in storytelling and creation. The biggest travesty is then getting primed to think that your culture can't do all the things that, like, white, quote-unquote, culture can. You know, and that's more bitch why, but I I have been, like, ruminating on that a lot, and and I don't want to take all of this out on this show. It just was so, it just was, like, so white, and, like, from the Netflix um, advertisements, like, again, because it looked like The Crown and it looked like Downton Abbey or whatever, I just was like, I don't fucking want to watch this. Like, it just looks so white. I really like the framing, though, of her feeling uncomfortable in this world. Like, there's the first... It's actually kind of a laughable framing, but it looks it looks so funny when all the boys in the high school, when she goes to join the... She goes to hang out with the chess club, and, like, the boys enter the room, and they all file in, and they, like, stand there, and they, like, cross their arms and look at her, and she's, like, this little nine-year-old girl. You're, like you guys really came in strong and she's a child like leave her alone but but I, I I wonder if that framing is like from her perspective how it looks to like be in the she's literally dead center in the room the show does a really good job of making you feel claustrophobic in the space full of white men 
Yeah. I, I think something that this show highlights that a lot of people don't think about in terms of like barriers of women, people of color, poor people into spaces like chess is like highlighting the way etiquette makes it hard for people to like break into universes Mm -hmm. like this that are like so full of like rules that are unspoken and change from context to context. And if you grow up in a wealthy white chess context then you know all of these rules and they feel natural to you but if you don't grow up in this context it feels totally absurd and bizarre and I think this show did a good job of like putting a spotlight on those and her being like these rules are stupid it doesn't matter like they just don't matter and I think the Mm -hmm. same phenomenon happens in like I'm thinking about like debate spaces like debate is often a place that is like barred off from people of color and poor people. I think the acting world is full of these little like stupid things like, oh, actors, you can never do this. You can never do this. Like if you sing this song at an audition, you're going to look like a fool. If you do this at an audition, you're going to look like an idiot. These are just constructs of etiquette that are designed to be barriers to people. And I thought that was like kind of a neat thing that the show pointed out. It it went out of its way to have her continually break rules of high level chess and then Mm -hmm. people would point it out and she'd be like well I beat you yeah I really liked that I think no I definitely had that feeling when like someone was explaining the rules to her and she was like okay I just I'm just here to play chess I think a lesser show would have used voiceover I'm th- I when when I was watching this, I was thinking of all the things a lesser show would have done. Like a lesser show would have showed not that like sex is gratuitous or like wrong to show in TV, but I think that if they had focused on all of her sexual escapades, I think it would have like made the whole show about it or about her drug use in a way that feels glamorous or something. Like, I'm so glad the show didn't do that. Like, whenever she has sex with a guy, they often cut to afterwards where she's like, that was bad or that was good. And so you, you're, like, tracking her journey with, like, her body and sex, but you're not tracking, like, her doing, like, wild party stuff. Even when she has, a like, a, like a, a spinning out in the second to last episode, you just see the before and the after. You don't see anything in between. And I thought that that was, like, really smart because it keeps you away from, like, pigeonholing this woman into, like, she's going through, like, a hysteric, like, really, but, but a lot of these women actually are framed through a weird like traditional traits of like what a like a hysteric woman looks like like every time beth goes through a spiral often or like continues to use drugs and alcohol it's because of a woman and a woman is there with her and then every time she's being discouraged from using drugs and alcohol it's like benny or harry or um towns like it's always men that are like you shouldn't be doing this you know what's gonna happen to you because you're a chess player and like we're crazy like I get you like I get where you're coming from but you can't do this and I and and Jolene breaks that rule at the very end however the show though doesn't show you like male gazy shots of her body it doesn't show her partying I just think it's like the show takes a lot of care with her journey because they want you to focus on the chess and they want you to focus on her as a talented individual but then the people in her life who are making her a better person and a worse person are men and and women respectively yeah she feels very autonomous in her mistakes which was exciting like I think one of the things the show was trying to focus on is like to what extent is your life fixed by circumstance? Mm-hmm. And this show is like, your life is not fixed by circumstance, which is kind of an interesting take, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll I'm talk just about talking that. about the people telling no, her yeah. what's right and wrong are men and women. I, and I agree that there's like a, there's like a sense of like, women are kind of like, yeah, use drugs. And I have two thoughts about that. One being, she feels autonomous in her decision-making. When she makes a poor decision, it feels like it was her decision. And when she makes a good decision, it feels like it was her decision. And that makes it for, like, a very complex situation. Like, when she has bad sex, it's because she decided to. And when she has good sex, it's because she decided to. And, like, this makes her feel like an interesting character. But I also wonder if part of what... I would say maybe this show is smart enough to be doing this. If maybe, like, the show is trying to point at how, like, women in the 50s and 60s were really tied to 
drug use and like alcohol abuse as an escape route because there wasn't a lot going on for them. I think yeah. with the mom, they were definitely trying to point out like this is a classic 50s housewife with the adoptive mother. Yeah. They're like I think they're definitely trying to point out like she is an alcoholic, she is a drug abuser, like she's destroying her body. Right. And it feels kind of like the show is like women end up relegated to these roles not because they're inherently like inferior but because they're put in a position where this is an accessible lifestyle more so than like chess. I guess so, but it's also a woman that like tranks her the first time. It's the woman who runs the orphanage who like gets her addicted to drugs. It's Jolene who tells her, hey, like save these for nighttime. That's when it's like fun to use. Like the only woman that you see kind of get out of this is Jolene at the very end. Which is also kind of a weird situation because Jolene's a black woman and there's like this kind, she ends up kind of fulfilling a really weird role in the second to last episode jolene is like weirdly like a caretaker to her she is and she gives her money to go to russia and then says because the show is the show is self-aware about the way it talks about whiteness and maleness jolene has a monologue where she says i'm not here to save you i can barely save myself however the narrative is having her save her as a deus ex machina for her so i know that jolene's not here to save beth but the narrative is making jolene save beth so it's like oh you just missed the mark like you just missed it like you're acknowledging whiteness you're acknowledging like that she's a black woman who's not here to save her but like you did it anyway I think if there had been more characters of color than Jolene being, like, a lawyer with a lot of money coming in and, and like, being like, I can give you money because I have tons of money, would have maybe been exciting because it would have been, like, this is a successful black woman who is able to save a white woman who does all the things that the media would lead you to believe black women would do. And then, and then here they also acknowledge the time period, like, very heavily when Jolene talks about, like, marrying a white lawyer and, like, wanting to become a radical. And also the monologue where she's like, I will be there for you. I hope you would do the same for me. I don't really believe that Beth would. It's interesting bringing in this concept of family because a huge theme in the show is like what is your family it's interesting like that jolene like completely like evaporates from the narrative for like the middle three or four episodes and then just like shows up at the end and you're like yeah like you had this like really important like childhood experience together but a like you're not that present in the first episode like she's friends but like they don't have a lot of like serious scenes together like they're not having long shots together (laughs) but then at the end they're like yeah this this like friendship they had as children like supersedes the logic of loaning three thousand dollars to your like estranged best friend from middle school yeah she comes in to show her that mr shable died she comes in to, like, bring her back to quote-unquote family or, like, her past. So ultimately, Beth can, like, one, show us what happened to her and her mom, which we kind of already knew, but we finally got to see, like, what went down and, like, that her mom tried to kind of kill them both um, in a car accident as, like, a means of just, like, getting out of the situation. And I think you're right. Like, the show does address the plights of women in this time of, like, they kind of had no other... There's no, there's not a lot that they could do. And her biological mother who ends up getting like a PhD and is super smart is kind of also punished by the narrative for doing that because she goes into like a psychosis. And so you're fearful for Beth the entire time that like she will also fall down the same route because she's like exceptionally smart and then is like tormented by the (laughs) the demons of being a genius. Jolene, I just really felt like they did her dirty in a way that I just was like not cool with and also the only other black character was the nurse yeah. in the orphanage and he was the only a, other character of he color was awful at all. yeah he was so mean and i was like why is he working for this white woman so jolene coming in acknowledged like one giving us like period like time period reference it's the stranger things problem everyone she talks about code switching to get a job 
And she's like, what I want is what you have. And she even tells Beth, the best thing in this thing for me is, like, she goes, you dug this hole yourself, Beth. And it's, like, all the problems white people create, they did that to themselves. Like, like all of this shit she's doing is, like, self-destructive for herself. And Jolene is working against problems that she did not create and that she is forced to deal with by, like, the society that they live under. And I wish that... If we were going to talk about, like, women in that way, you're pointing at, like, the the 1950s, like, housewife thing as, like, they're also working under, like, the stresses of society, but it's also of individual men. And Jolene comes and, like, talks about it as if it's, like, more of a zoomed out thing, so you don't feel the same way. But really, like, when you're seeing, like, the wives deal with the, their husbands, whether it's, like, the biological mother or the adopted mother, you're like, oh, those those men are just so shitty. I do hesitate to, like, be like, oh, the 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 sexism that, like, the quote, that the, like, 50s housewife experiences is the result of individual men. That seems short-sighted. Although, like... No, I'm saying the thing that's is- what the show is... I'm saying yeah. that's where the show is, like going by showing these different experiences yeah. of women i'm not saying the plight of 1950s women is because of individual men okay I'm saying, cool i was like no 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 no, no. i'm saying the show is yeah. doing that because then jolene comes in and is like no here's what i'm actually like, here's all these things i actually am facing here's what i faced yeah the 1950s housewife thing happens in like a bottle with two moms and then the rest of the men around the show are great yeah. On one hand, this was definitely, like, a problem of the 1950s housewife, but it was also, like, like we've been new that the 1950s housewife is, like, this, like, it's not, like, it's a hot take to say, like, the 1950s housewife was, a, was an oppressive role. That's pretty ubiquitous at this point. Yeah. I think the show suffers from a mild, mild case of the Stranger Things problem, which, if you're new to Bitch Why, mm-hmm. is the combination of an awareness of the time period and an inability to acknowledge the actual consequences of the time period. So I think it has a mild case of the Stranger Things problem, but it's definitely not as bad as it is in Stranger Things, because I definitely feel like you can feel misogyny as a presence. Not so much racism. I think anything not that's told race. to us about racism is, like, told to us and not felt. And um, not, yeah. Which I just thought was interesting. This show also, I think the, the the difference between this and Stranger Things, one is, like, there's less of a reliance on product placement and, like, specific references and Easter eggs to the time period. Like, this show feels like it takes place in, like, a version of the 60s it's like a tiny bubble. It doesn't feel real almost. Like I felt like I was watching it and I was like, yeah, I know this time period, but it relies on what you vaguely know of the time period and you can kind of get by on it. I think because of that, it's just escapism-y enough. I think that's why people like liked this show so much and were able to binge it is like it kind of takes place in a world where like it wouldn't it be so nice to live in a world where if you beat a very scary famous man in chess, he graciously loses and says it's your game, take it, and gives you a fucking hug. And like, th- like this, this world makes you feel like anything is possible and also that like she is exceptional and also flawed. Not that j- it's just that she's the only woman that could do this, but that she's the only person that could do this. I don't know, like it felt like this whole show... I felt like I could suspend my disbelief just enough where I was like, this isn't real. I think you really, like, hit the nail on the head in terms of the idea that, like, like, obviously this wouldn't happen in the 60s because men, like, throw, like, little fits whenever they lose at things. I cannot believe the end of 2020 made me root for a white woman. I'm so mad. Like, I'm really (laughs) upset. But it's like the messaging is quiet and digestible enough. The politics are digestible enough to make this bingeable without critical thought. Yeah, I think it's very digestible. And I also think, like, the idea that, like, if you beat a white man at chess, he would lose is, like, that feels like heroin, saying that out loud. Well, yeah, and it's fun to watch the men react to their losses throughout the entirety of the show. And I, I, I do actually really like that Benny and Harry played by Dudley Dursley and then the little boy from Love Actually. Kings. <laughs> Something I thought of at the end when they all were trying to help her solve how to... I'm glad that, like, whatever they thought of wasn't the way she won and that, like, she 
saw the chess pieces on the ceiling sober. That was a great moment, but I was like, oh my god, is this trying to say that behind every great woman is a bunch of little nerd boy simps who had the best sex of their lives with her? I'm so glad she didn't fuck Towns, though, at the end, because I think that would have cheapened it. Also, I cannot tell if that man is gay or bi. I think he's gay. But the one thing in the show that felt, like, so, like, out of place, and I was like, what the fuck, was when she was talking, someone was like, oh, you're in love with someone, and she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be Benny, because she and Benny, like, feel so evenly matched, and, like, they have such an interesting relationship, and then she's like, Towns, and I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, that was incorrect. I, was like, I but I, the other thing I was going to say was that I actually really enjoyed the something that felt so un-American and exciting and like vaguely socialist to me was the fact that this movie was this show. It's not a movie. It feels like a movie though. Yeah, um, I see. Cuz all like, good TV shows feel like a movie. Feel like movies. This show was like, "Hey, did you know that people who are highly successful aren't successful just because they're individuals? It's because they are part of like a, a body and a group of people that is intelligent and that right. you are better amongst people than you are as an individual and I was like damn and she and Benny have that conversation he's like Americans don't like to help each other it's so stupid then you see the Russians like talking it over with each other mm-hmm. in the middle of the of the game I remember seeing that scene and being like why are they helping each other and I was like oh it's because I'm American I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of like my own writing because I was um I was like in kind of a period of writer's block and I was like damn like I feel so walled in by writing and then I wrote a draft and I read it over with some friends and got some feedback and it like kind of like nudged me out of a rut and I was like damn it's like so disrespectful of me to my collaborators to imagine that like I am the sole mind behind a script and that anything that I write is like the result of like some hard work or gift that I alone have when in reality, I am part of a body, and I am nothing without the people who I work with. It, I was so excited to see this show, like, touch that, because Americans hate to hear that working together is important. So much of, like, classes around leadership and creation and artistry are about, like, you as an artist, and, like, read this self-help book and, like, change your artistry. And that's, like, so fucking fake because like everything that you like everything you make is gonna be better when other people are involved but like the world will have you think that like only barry jenkins made moonlight which like he it's very jenkins but like again that's not true like and that's like part of our system of like award like like the oscars makes it seem like Mm -hmm. when you see a best actor that only that actor was involved in that performance or when you see i was just about to say that guy up of, like, only Anya Taylor-Joy is responsible for the way that, like, that thing, like, played out. But really, that is that is the triumph of editing. That is the cinematography. That is how the shot framed her the so director, beautifully. The director, the instruction of the director. Yeah. It's her fellow actors, mm-hmm. like... And then, and then it's just also compounded on the fact that, like, then this whole show is filled with white people, and then also the show is filled with great acting, and then you're like, oh my god, only, like, white people are great actors. Which is just not true. Our blood is talented, people of color listening. Our blood is talented. Don't forget it. The only technical thing I wanted to talk about was that I, like, tell me if this is a hot take. I really liked Benny and Beth together. But no, I thought Benny and Beth together, when she was like, I like your hair. And then he was like, oh, by the way, sex? Forget it. And then when he initiated, he was like, do you still like my hair? Uh, yeah, I liked the, them. They felt so like nice and evenly matched, and I just they, yeah. liked them. I was like happy about their relationship in the way I have never been happy about a straight uh, straight relationship, except for I Vicky just, and Dave and Halloween. Yeah, Vicky, and but Dave. they're bisexual. <laughs> they're bi. They're like that. Actually, that wasn't a straight relationship. Actually, was Dave Beth binary? Is ba- Beth is definitely bisexual because she is bisexual. Cleo, and then canonically, and then. I feel like Benny... Benny has fucked one of those guys. Yeah, Benny has definitely fucked, like, half that room of the guys simping over Beth. Like... I feel like probably every time I am like, yeah, this... I like this straight couple. It's probably just because it's actually a bi couple. Let me be honest with myself. We're projecting our liking of people to them being queer, but also I don't know very many straight people. 
we know like straight people. We do. We know straight people. <laughs> My parents are straight. <laughs> But they're divorced, so... Yikes, Gaia! Oh my god, I think it's time for bitch time. I think it is. Okay, Should we start the clock? Is this bitch time? Okay, it's bitch time. Oh my god, it it is bitch time. Three minutes of our unfettered, uh, uncritical feelings. Go! Beth is canonically bi. And, Beth is and, canonically bi. And Benny, his look at his little hat. Imagine a straight man wearing that little hat. That little Thank hat you and his hair? His top. haircut? His hair. Oh my the god. weird little mustache. Okay, please someone buy Beth, like, one more outfit. Like, why does she wear the same thing for, like, two whole episodes after her mom buys her new clothes? Like, she still Queen wears though? that one outfit. She said fast fashion is dead. Fast fashion. Exist okay, yet. there's so many lines that are like, oh my god, chess is so sexy. Why is chess so sexy? Chess is hot. Chess is so hot. Um, but they're like, do you want to start my clock? Um, you're hu- humiliating my rook. I was like, ow, ow. Like, what is I was happening? Like, Damn, like Why chess has like, four players. So sexy. Also, like there was this one moment of like sexism that was just stupid, where the lady's asking her in an interview if the Freudian nonsense of like the king is something she wanted to protect and the queen was something she wanted to attack, and she was like, "Girl, I just play chess. Like I just play chess." I, what else yeah, I, I just feel like the scene with Cleo and Beth was gay when they were talking. Was. That was gay. every time they interacted, I was like, I was like, please open a window. Like, oh my god, when Jolene said "good for you, cracker," "good for you" at the end, I was like, not this, not this. Please, that not please. that did not have to be the ending. That you did didn't not have, have to do to Jolene this dirty. Please, you didn't, she didn't have to say that. Like, that's not something she needed to say. Thanks, um, screenwriter. There's so much anti-Russian sentiment, but not enough for me to say anything profound about it. I just but think, I feel like, like there was some good. I think there was also some pro-Russian sentiment. I know it's very confusing, and it's not really a smart thought. So I'm like including it here because I didn't have anything interesting to say other than like, why does TV like TV recently has really been like fuck Russia? <laughs> I liked that she was like. I like no. I think this show was like was like look how weird Americans are about Russians when Russians are literally just like people who live in yeah. Russia. No, and I then know. she got to go play chess in the park with the old men, and I was oh, like, yeah. Aw. I like that the ending was like her going back to it for the joy of it, and I was like, thank God, like that's so good. Like she didn't have a tragic hysteric woman ending, which I'm really happy about. Also. Also, those straight across bangs, though, were not doing her any favors for like the first oh. like four episodes. But then after she got rid of them. A Hot. sex goddess, yeah. Hot. Icon. Anya Taylor-Joy, you are free to call us. She's hot. She can peg. She's allowed to be naked. Benny and Harry allowed to be naked. Allowed to be naked. Get pegged. Get pegged. Jolene obviously pegs. Jolene obviously pegs. Okay, also the scene where they're at the sleepover and she's confused and uncomfortable. I just thought that was really viscerally real. That was good. Oh, th- I love... No, you can say I it, love say when it, things it. articulate the the specific discomfort of being in a room full of straight girls who all understand <laughs> how to be a straight girl and you don't understand that. Like the, this show just got that sense. This show just got it. Okay, it's time for it's bitch why. It's bitch why. I, I said this already, a lesser show would have made this all about the sex in between the chess, but this show made it chess sexy, and I think that's amazing, and I think that, like, you can sell anything as long as you make it sexy, but how you make it sexy is what's important, because, like, you have shows like Glow, which is, like, the wrestling is sexy, but because it's, like, shitty to women. And this was like, chess is sexy because it's like a mind game. I was so invested and I never thought I would ever be invested in a show about chess. There is a quote, though, that I saw on Twitter that I think is just kind of stupid. We've been making fun of this. (laughs) We've been making fun of it for like, for days. Oh, very quickly. There's a scene where she's like in Las Vegas at the tournament and the two white guys, not Benny and Harry, but they're the other guys, the twins. Her, the twins that are friends with her, they come up and like flank her sides, like they sit on either side, and it's supposed to be framed as like a badass moment. But this show is just so painfully white that I was like, 
no like that's not badass to me it just isn't but it's fine anyway on that note someone tweeted the queen's gambit has been viewed by 62 million people that's a number that keeps getting thrown around like apparently like and it's also like netflix's highest like the most people have viewed it in like a few days than like Mm. any other limited series on netflix the producer alan scott is on bbc news talking about how it took 30 years and nine rewrites and every studio (laughs) he showed it to said that no one would be interested in chess so please persevere with that thing you're making that's fine however this show's written by a white guy like let's not white men make it into the industry guys yeah white men like make it into the industry pretty easily and like yeah they're like 30 but again they're not like the people in front of the camera and i was told this in a room the other day like no one's gonna make your thing you're 23 wait until you're 30 because then you have more years and more like stuff behind you how do you get the stuff if no one makes it <laughs> i know it's so fucked it's so fucked but that's the way white that's what men, i think about all the time but that's the way white men give advice and i just am not down to like discount the fact that it takes a lot of work to make the thing and don't just be like oh, they said i couldn't make chess sexy and i did it and like please persevere with the thing you're making the way white men give advice is always just just keep just keep making it like without thinking about all the ways there's so many barriers to access anyway yeah. that's all also like we, we keep making fun of the nine rewrites number the because like because anyone who like has met us is like i'm i'm an obsessive rewriter so anything i write goes through like 15 to like 30 drafts yeah it's like there needs to be a conversation between the differences in like how we talk about playwriting and screenwriting but i don't know if there's been enough people in between the two to like it's me i'm the only one who's done it's both. you and you like and jeremy me. o'harris and like you meet jeremy Brown o'harris are the only Jacqueline... people who can have a chat <laughs> we just need to have a chat on this podcast about it right um uh, jeremy call us i i have another issue with jolene oh this is also something i noticed in the show when they see us the actor who plays Corey, uh jerelle jerome in when they see us plays Corey the entire show versus like all the other kids oh yeah are played by younger actors than older actors same thing happens with moses ingram who plays jolene in this she stays jolene the entire time whether or not she's like I don't think they even specify how old she is. It's definitely that she's older, a little bit older than Beth, but she stays that same actress the entire time. Yeah, it was weird. It's like, you're like 30. Like, you're like 30, you're playing 14, and now you're playing 17, and now you're playing 30. And I know that, like, it's so that when Jolene shows up again, we've only seen so little of her that it would be weird to switch actresses and, like, make you, you're like, well, I'm not emotionally attached to Jolene as much as I would be if it was the same person that I saw the entire time. However, that also makes black people seem older, wiser, and more mature than they need to be. As children. Whereas Beth gets to be nine, and she gets to be 15, and she gets to be 23. I just think it's weird. I don't know how they would have fixed it. Yeah. Because they show so little of Jolene. If if more, and you're right, like, if they had interspersed more stuff about, like, her and Jolene's relationship throughout the middle episodes, so that when she popped up again, it was like, oh my god, this piece of her childhood is coming back at a time when she really needs her, a piece of her childhood. However, that doesn't happen, and you kind of, what you get is, like, Jolene is always another, like, older, mothering kind of caretaker figure. She even holds her while she cries, like, after the funeral. So it's just, like, interesting to me that that's a thing that's happened twice in the last, like, two years. Also, on age, I don't know how I feel about the ethics of, like, these boys knew her when she was, like, 14 and now they're sleeping with her, like, while she's 20. Like, as someone who's been in a situation like that where, like, I knew someone but then we didn't, like, do anything physical until I was of, quote-unquote, of age... It's still weird, though, because they knew you when you were a baby. Like, they knew when you were, like, tiny. And they say it a lot. They're like, you're not the, like, silly little girl you used to be. And I was like, ugh. Like, that keeps me still a little girl. That happens with Benny and Harry and Towns. Even if Towns doesn't sleep with her, it's like, they say it a lot. It just reminds me of this thing, like, I always talk about at my um, old job where I was, like, harassed a lot one of my greatest fears was turning 18 because that's when you're like legally allowed to be sexually harassed um and that's on sexism 
Also, those are the men that allow her to believe in herself. Come on, messaging. It's a little weird. Again, there is so little of this show that there is for me to critique because it's quite good. I agree. I mean, I think, like, the reason we wanted to talk about this or the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I wanted to, like, enter the new year with something that I felt Mm -hmm. like was a good piece of media that felt, like, inspiring for, like, felt like we could learn something about storytelling from. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that this show is a great reference for like what can we learn about storytelling and also a great reference for like what can we not learn about race yeah and like how do you make it accessible um because i feel like this show did a great job of like making the context of chess accessible sexy and sexy and at the end of the day that's all it did (laughs) that's all that's all it did but like it did it really really well and i think the way the show talks about trauma also i'm really glad that her relationship with the janitor was never was never weird i'm so happy i was so scared i was was holding my breath i was like i can't you're right she's autonomous like she has you understand why she loves this thing it's something that she can control her she's like this is a predictable thing my life has always been unpredictable and this is like the thing that i understand so innately and it was like sexy that she could that do that that was hot yay wow it's time for the bitch meter gaia what did we give it for queer we gave it a four we really dug all the like subtle queer rep that was just kind of like in the background and it wasn't really talked about but it was just kind of there and nice there's also a trans actor there was a trans actor in it playing just a character that's sexy i love that sexy are allowed to be in things and Beth was bisexual, Towns was gay, it was a Towns good time. Towns was gay, and he was, like, working through his confusion, which was hot of him yeah, to get to hot. do. I thought, like, queerness was, like, just... just nice. Just, just, it was nice. It's good. It was a nice little background thing. It was Amazing. Nice. Why did we give it for gender? For gender, we gave it a four. <laughs> it centers on a woman, and it's, like, she's not, like, exceptional because she's a woman. She's just an exceptional person. It does a really good job of showing how she's flawed and showing how she's a human, and she's not, like, a stand-in for, like, the male Oedipal complex or something. You know what I mean? She's nothing that anyone can project onto. She's just a- she's just doing her thing, and I like it. And while she's surrounded by men, they really are simping over her. Nice to watch. She's surrounded so by simps, and that's valid. Just this whole show is full of simps. Um, Simp? Also shows her, like, trajectory with beauty and femininity in a believable, interesting way, because she struggles Hot. with it a lot, and I like it. Anyway, anyway. What did we give it for race? We gave it a one. Um, a one. If you need to know why, then please listen to the other parts of the episode. Yeah. Listen like to the two, rest of the episode. Yeah, just listen to the rest of the episode. Um, they did my girl Jolene really dirty. Anyway. They did her dirty. They did her dirty. For disability, we gave it a three Um, because of the ways this show talks about, like, dealing with mental illness and addiction. And, I mean, I think there's this play called Proof by David Auburn, which kind of, like, falls into a weird place where, like, the her father is a mathematician who, like, lost his mind and, and now the daughter is, like, dealing with the same kind of thing. And I think this is the better version of that. So don't read that play. I really hate it. I also liked the way they dealt with um, her adopted mother's chronic illness. Oh, and her like, mother's chronic illness. It felt... Um. Like, she was never blamed for being, like, unable to attend one of Beth's chess things because Mm -hmm. of her illness, and that was really nice. It was nice to see, like, chronic illness represented in in a compassionate way, especially an invisible illness. Yeah, there were so many moments where I thought Beth was going to get mad at her, and then she didn't, and I really loved, I loved it. I loved that. What did we give her for body positivity? We had a straight NA, which is unusual for us. Uh, we felt <laughs> like there was a refreshing m- amount of normal-looking people. That was that yeah. was it. That was why. We were like, it, it's refreshingly normal. It is not populated by fucking supermodels. And that's nice. Sexy of it. Yeah, like, everyone's a little weird, and I like it. 
And for class? For class, we gave it a four. This actually has a lot to say about class. It's really interesting, like, the barriers to entry in terms of how she gets into the chess world. Um, also coming from an orphanage. Like, there's so... And, like, how her and her adoptive mother deal with class. They really show her navigating the world of class. Interesting. Yeah. Sexy, even. Yeah. This show made me want to act again. Yeah, same. So... I like, I want to make a... I want to make a little TV show about I something niche. I want to make a little niche. TV show. Something niche that we can make sexy. Podcasting? Um. Podcast? Oh, not a movie about podcasting. I can't. That'd be bad. Um, we can't. Okay, and that leaves us with a drum roll, drum please. Roll, please. Six out of ten on the bitch meter, which is like, yeah, that's good. Bitch meter's always right. Bitch meter's right. It's hey, time it's, for. <laughs> it's time for Harris's hot take. The funny thing about Harris's hot take is that it was the initial idea is that Harris is my roommate. So, like, we'd just be like, hey, Harris, what do you think? But, like, now Harris and I don't live together because of the pandemic. Hi. Hi. Harris, what's your hot take about the Queen's Gambit? Okay. So, I've actually been really frustrated with the rhetoric when people try to show off the show to me. They try to, like, persuade me to see it. They're like, I can't believe chess is so interesting. <laughs> I can't believe it's so amazing. But I'm like, wait, chess is like the purest form of conflict. It's war. Harris's Why? hot take is that chess was always, always, sexy. always sexy. And <sighs> also, has anyone ever seen Searching for Bobby Fischer? Oh. Is that a thing? Oh. Yeah. So I've, I've been new that chess is like good for media once again queen of catway walked so that queen's gambit could fly actually i've not seen that movie it's like a media movie queen's gambit is like better but like better made but queen of catway is like better yes by having white people in it also one last thing yeah Harmon, the actor anya taylor joy anya taylor joy Mm mm-hmm she is brilliant. Every mm-hmm. single mannerism made me want to like. Like you could see the evolution of her character just in the way she walked. Yeah, like, she started walking as like a pigeon, it's and then almost she... like you listened to the episode, Harris. I whoa. Yeah, but, like guys said the exact same thing. That's so scary. I was just so enthralled by her craft, and it's just so lovely to see an actor who definitely took the time to research and work really hard on a role that mattered. Yeah. Plus okay. the Moonk song played, which is our song, Harris. Oh. Gymno PD number six. I started screaming when it played. I was like... I, I got miss, very excited. I also I screamed. I was like... I, I Sometimes I listen to that when I miss you guys. Remember freshman year when Harris and I made out for the first time to that <laughs> song and everything was still good? Yes. Yes. Remember intimacy? Remember uh, intimacy? Uh, ha, ha, ha. The first scene I did with Harris was from Constellations, and it had so much weird sexual tension. Weird sexual tension? No, no, it was like, because right we had not tension. practiced the sexual tension, and then it happened. Yeah. Well, I'm your towns. You are my towns! <gasps> wow. Yeah! Yo. We should make a movie about freshman year of college because that was fucking nuts. It was fucking Our nuts. Our freshman year of college was bizarre. Okay, All right. Let's do it. Oh my god. All right. I love y'all. All right. Love, love you, Harris. Nice talking to you. Mwah. Wow. That was so good. We've perfected Harris's hot take. Adding him to the group chat changed everything. You know what it is? Is this. The, it's the star. It's, it's the, the star. Light. We've gone through the tower collapsing and now Rebirth. we're at the star. We're rebirthed. Wait, I want to see what my golden thread app says about it. Hope, faith, rejuvenation. After the collapse of the tower, the star suggests the possibility for rebirth, rejuvenation, and overall hope. It is a phase in which one has trust and faith in oneself and the universe around them. Period. Period. That's it. What are you working okay. on? Real fast. I finished my paper. I finished yeah, that twenty-page fucking paper. If anyone wants to read it, I'm really proud of it. It's actually pretty good. I'll I'll email it to you. Uh, just DM me on Instagram and ask for it or whatever. I'll send it. Um, I don't know. I'm really proud of it. I hope it gets an A. It was like really late, so the teacher might not give me an A because it was so late. But I'm. <laughs> 
like it's good it's an a plus paper i think um it's wow. smart that's what i worked on and i'm not working on anything for the rest of this week because my brain is fried what are you working on i'm working on conflict management <laughs> i'm working on <laughs> interpersonal relationships a mess I'm I'm working on overcoming my fear of conflict. That's what I'm working on. Yeah. As well as my screenplay, but the screenplay is not I mean, I don't know. Screenplay is a lot easier to write than it is for me to work on my fear of conflict. So Well, you could always play a game of chess about it cuz chess I is should. all about conflict. I should. I should just play a game of chess with the people that I am afraid to interact with. What if instead of kissing, we played a game of chess? Nita, if you and I played chess together, it wouldn't it wouldn't be possible because it would be too hot. There's a scene um, in Breaking Dawn where they're playing chess because like Bella wants to have sex and Edward's like, I can't have sex with you, I will accidentally kill you. And the tension while they're playing the game of chess, because you know if she wins, that means they get to fuck. It's so chess has always been about conflict. Chess has always been sexy. <laughs> and Pass sex. Oh um, my god. I will say that my that the casting call is out for my screenplay. And fuck yeah. People... I'll put it in the show notes. DM me if you want to audition. Um, all right. Did it do? It's plug wow. time. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nita underscore Thadani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. And you can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River. Or if you want to read more of my writing, if I ever decide to post it, it will be on Gaia River Rose. So sexy. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast on Bitch Why Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And you can send us an email at b.tchwhy at gmail.com. Matthew Boletto. Thank you so much for your email. It was so sweet. Uh, they told us to look at something and it was sexy. We'll probably talk more in depth about this email at some point yes, in a later episode. But we remember you. Thank you so much for your email. It was so sweet. And uh, please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And all of the resources referenced are going to be in the show notes. Thanks to our editor and co-producer Cameron, as well as our graphic designer, Jillian. Happy New Year, bitches. Happy New Year, bitches. Welcome. It's 2021. Bye.